use this, huh? I'm good at singing and these, but talking is different. Okay. Well, I'm excited about tonight because I, I just really, uh, I believe that Holy Spirit loves this message. And I believe Jesus loves this message because it brings us closer to him. So we're going to talk, it's basically fellowshipping Holy Spirit. What is that? It's developing relationship with Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is God. And it's a privilege. So let's just get into the notes and let's just see how he guides us in breaking it open. Um, Holy Spirit is a gift to us. When I first got this message, I taught this different ways. But quite a few years ago, I was in the prayer room and I just felt like the Lord was saying, I have a gift for you. I have a gift for you. I have a gift for you. And then he began to talk about Holy Spirit. <laughs> and um, this is his gift for us. And realize who's giving this gift. Like Jesus. And it's not just a gift on a page. It's not just a gift that we get to feel and talk about. This is a gift that lives inside of us. So um, I'm going to start out in John 14. Um, this is when Jesus began to speak to the disciples more plainly about his death and about going away. Now imagine being one of the disciples and you have walked with Jesus and you've become convinced that this, he is the Messiah. He is God. And then he tells you, it's better if I go away. <laughs> What's your reaction? <laughs> no. No. We don't think so, Jesus. And Jesus says, but before I go, I want to tell you about a gift. I have a gift for you. So in John 14, um, verses 1 through 3, we, we're not going to read all of these, but... Um, 1 through 13, he's saying, but don't let your heart be troubled. Um, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to come again. And I'm going to receive you to myself. That where I am, you might be there too. So he's breaking this open and their hearts are just falling. I mean, this was not something that had entered into their minds. But, I mean, they're thinking the kingdom is coming right now in fullness. Like Jesus is going to set it up like right now. And he's like, no, I'm going away. And you can only imagine how troubled their hearts were. And then um, going on down in chapter 14, um, so six, verse 16, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I've been a helper to you. He's going to give you another helper that he may be with you forever. He's not going to go away. That is the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it doesn't behold him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you. So they already knew Holy Spirit in a sense because he was among them. Because he was with Jesus. He says that you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, 
the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me. Because I live, you shall live also. And in that day, when I give you the Spirit, in that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And then over verse 26, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So he's giving them the purpose of, of this gift. Holy Spirit is going to teach them all things. Realize they didn't have the New Testament. Jesus didn't break every single thing down that's in the New Testament. But Holy, he said, Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to teach you. He's going to break it open to you. And then, let's see, chapter 16, 5 through 7. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. I'm going to the Father. And none of you ask me where you're going. But you're, because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Does that sound familiar? It's the same relationship that Jesus had with the Father. Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own initiative. I only do what I see him do. I speak what he speaks. So Holy Spirit has the same relationship. It says, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come, and he shall glorify me. For he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you, all things that the Father has in mind. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. So whatever belongs to Jesus, he's going to open it up. Okay, so that's the gift. That is the gift. I wanted to go into um, a Jewish wedding tradition. We'll see how this ties in. Um, There would be a betrothal ceremony. This is before the marriage. The betrothal ceremony is like starts the engagement. And actually, you couldn't just break up. You had to actually get a divorce once you went through the betrothal ceremony. Um, but they didn't, they didn't sleep together. They didn't live together for a year. But they were betrothed. Right now, we're betrothed. Um, so following the betrothal ceremony, the groom would, would return to his home to fulfill obligations during the betrothal. But just prior to leaving his wife-to-be, he would give her what's called a matan. Now, I'm not sure if that's how you say it in Hebrew, but it's a bridal gift. It's a pledge of his love for her. Um, and his purpose was to be a reminder to his bride during their days of separation of his love for her that he was thinking of her, and that he would return to receive her as his wife. I could, I'm sure it was, wasn't just this, but it could be even like a cloak or a shirt. Why? 
because it would have his fragrance on it. And when she would hold it, she, she would remember him in such a, a deep, intimate way. But he would give her things that would remind her of who he was and of his love for her and that he was going to be true. So that's the purpose of Jesus giving us Holy Spirit. He wants us to know he's thinking of us and that he is going to return. So it's the promise of the marriage. It's full provision. It's to remind us of him and to prepare the bride for him, to beautify, to clothe, and to teach. So matan means like a gift or a pledge, and the Greek on that is charismata, which is the charismatic gifts, so the gifts of the spirit, right? So that's what he's given us. So I just want to read these scriptures that talks about um, this gift. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask, just as we read these, it, these words will come off the page and you can bring an awe in our hearts and a thankfulness. Okay, the first one there under letter B. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. So it identifies us as his own. If you don't have Holy Spirit, you don't belong to him. But if you have Holy Spirit, it identifies you as being His, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised, and He has purchased us to be His own people to His praise and glory. God's guarantee, He's not going to renege. He's going to follow this all the way through. In the next one, he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And I know we talk about this and we sing about it, and we probably spend all kinds of hours meditating on it. But once again, look at it. The Holy Spirit, God, was put inside of us, inside of each one of you. Like, that's amazing. When I think about that God would want to put Holy Spirit in me, I'm like, whoa. That blows me away. He's identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised. Everything. Everything. Next one, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So loving of him. You know, we can't do it on our own. We can't do this on our own. You know, yesterday uh, during our uh, communion time here, there was just such a cry for the Lamb, for revelation of the cross, and just adoring him. It, it was just, I can't even express the awe of that. He just loves us so much, you know, it's like what we can't do, he's promised to do. He's going to do everything that he promised. We continue to give our yes. He will, he will fulfill it all. 
even when we give our no, he doesn't let go easy. He doesn't let go easy. So let's look at the next verse. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You don't get like just a little measure, a little drop. But he generously poured out Holy Spirit. And then we have received God's Spirit so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. We can't understand without Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't understand in our natural understanding. We need spiritual understanding. How do we get that? We get it from Holy Spirit. And so that's why we want to develop relationship with Him. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. You know, what we don't want is, you know, if somebody gave you a present, say on your birthday, because that's kind of like when it happens, a spiritual birthday, if somebody gave you a present and they go, you're going to really like this. And you're like, wow, thank you. And then you never opened it. You set it on the shelf. And you go, oh, they gave me a gift. They gave me a present. That means a lot to me. Or maybe we even unwrapped it, but we kind of look at it and go, hmm, I don't even know what that is. And so we put it back on the shelf. And once in a while, maybe we get down to look at it and, hmm. But we just leave it there and we never explore it. We never move into the depths of what it, what it is. That would be a shame. But he's given us Holy Spirit who will never leave us. We have his word for that. He doesn't come and go. I mean, we can grieve him, but he doesn't leave us. And that's amazing. So I wanted to share, um, so like, a, you know, the scripture has a lot of allegories or the Lord gives a lot of pictures of Jesus and the bride from Genesis on through Revelation. There's all kinds of things that can teach us about him as the bridegroom and about us as the bride and about Holy Spirit, about the Father. I mean, it, but sometimes we can skip over it and sometimes we just, we're not skipping over it. It's just that Holy Spirit didn't open it up yet. And I taught on fellowship with Holy Spirit probably several times at least. And then when I was just going over notes, the Lord had me go over to the book of Esther. And he began to show me, he just began to just open it up some. And um, there's like a type of the bride and Holy Spirit here. And so that's what the, the, like one of the main parts of the teaching tonight. So page two of your notes. Um, so this is um, the Persian kingdom um, back in 486 to 465 BC. And uh, Israel, a lot of Israelites, a lot of Jewish folk were taken and put into exile. And they were, they were living in a foreign land. And um, so the king there was a guy named Ahasuerus. And um, he hadn't been king very long, I think three years, and he decided to throw this big old 
just extravagant banquet, which went for seven days, and it was just it was just awesome and beautiful, and the, he had all the most important people in the kingdom, and he had all the best foods, and it was decorated beautifully. And then it, his wife, Queen Vashti, also had a thing for the women, and a celebration, a seven-day feast, and it was all just lavish, as lavish could be. And King Ahasuerus sent his eunuch to go get Queen Vashti because he wanted to show off her beauty to everybody. And she said, no. And that quite angered him and quite offended him. And he gathered with his nobles and they kind of had their little meeting about it, what should be done. And one of, his, one of his noblemen said, you know, if we don't do something, all the women in this kingdom are gonna disrespect their husbands. They're all gonna think it's okay. So we think we should draw up an edict and have it something that can't be revoked. And, and so it, basically they, they said that Queen Vashti could never come in the, the presence of King Ahasuerus again. That, that could never happen again. And um, they were basically saying that men needed to rule over their homes, to be the heads of their households, and that women needed to respect them. So, so that happened, and after a time, after everything settled down, I think, it began, he began to be lonely, King Ahasuerus. And so what he did was he drew up, uh, they were really fond of drawing up edicts, so um, he, he said to the, the king's attendants, he said, let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. So this is in chapter two. And so they're gonna gather all the beautiful virgins in the kingdom and have them Come and he will meet the more than a time till there's one that pleases his heart. So it's not that part that we're talking about, but just to give you some background. So there was a Jew there whose name was Mordecai. And um, his name means warrior. And he was bringing up Hadassah, or her, her uh, other name is Esther. He was, he was raising her, his uncle's daughter because her parents had died. And um, so he's raising her as his own daughter. And so when the decrees came about all the young women, like they had to, it wasn't like you had your choice, well I don't wanna go, you had to go. You had to go to the king's palace. And so he took her to give her into the custody of a eunuch named Haggai. And, um, he was in charge of the women. And so that's basically where we're starting. Um, and that's where I started to see the, the, uh, the allegory or the picture. Um, the one that Mordecai had adopted Esther, and we are adopted. And that word used for adopted means to build up or to support means to, to be a parent, it means to be firm or faithful, 
to be permanent or quiet. But I was thinking about that today. And I think it's in Zephaniah, it says he will be quiet in his love. What does that mean? It means he won't be tossed around. It means you can't make, you can't make him love you less. And you can't make him love you more because he is love and he just loves you. So you're not going to shake his love. You can't pull it. You can't manipulate it. You can't earn it. It's permanent. Um, it's morally true. It brings assurance. It establishes. It's faithful of long continuance. That's the Father's love. Steadfast, sure. A love that you can trust. And use the word verified. You know how on Amazon, you all say, this is a verified review. <laughs> There's so many reviews, like, you don't know if the people really, you know, they really bought the product. That's, you know, a lot of people are paid for it, right? But this says it's verified. This word means it's verified. His love is verified. That means it's tried and true. You can trust it. So the Father... Or Mordecai, it's like the father, the spirit of adoption. He carries that. So he brings Esther to the king's harem, and she's placed in Haggai's care. So a eunuch had no self-interest in women, and his job was just to prepare the virgin for the king. That was his job. Verse 8, um, yeah, he was just, he was in charge of the women. So Haggai um, means meditation in Hebrew. That it comes from a word meaning meditation or word or groaning. Does the word groaning bring anyone to remembrance? Holy Spirit. Groaning's too deep for words. So another is uh, to be suitable or fit or worthy, and that's what he does for the bride. So it says the Holy Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So she's placed in his care. She's placed in in his hand. He has power over her. He's going to give the direction. She doesn't know him. She doesn't know him. Mordecai doesn't know him, but they're trusting him to prepare her. Um, Another uh, word that that has to do with is consecration, Um, dominion, fellowship. So there's something, there's a relationship that's going to take place here between Esther and Haggai. So let's look, uh, there's a verse there in your notes. Uh, letter E, Haggai was very impressed with Esther, and he treated her kindly. And he quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. And he also assigned her with seven maids specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. So looking at this, to get insight into Holy Spirit. How does he feel about us? Coming to live in a fleshly vessel. Well, he loves us. 
He loves us. And Haggai was really impressed with Esther. Why? He could see potential. Holy Spirit doesn't just see what we are right now, but he sees who we are in Jesus and who we will become. And he treated her kindly. Oh, this is Holy Spirit. Even when he disciplines, he's kind. It may cut, but he's kind. So he quickly, Haggai ordered a special menu for her, and that's what Holy Spirit does for us. He's like, you're not going to eat that stuff anymore, the things you used to take in. But he orders a special menu, a menu of the word, of prayer, of love, of positiveness, of thanksgiving, um, and even some things that might be sour, some things that, that might be harder to digest. He knows what she needs to become who, someone who would be pleasing to the king. Like he sees in her and he goes, you know, this one, this one. And he looks at you and he's like, this one, you, yes, for the king. And so he, um, literally the special menu means portions. And we need to trust him on this. Sometimes you might feel like, well, you're giving me way too much of that and not enough of this. But he knows exactly the portions we need of trials, of, of blessings, of friends, of aloneness, of afflictions, whatever. He knows exactly the portion that we need to become the beautiful bride. And then he, he provides beauty treatments. And this isn't just like um, lots of nice makeup and stuff, um, but it's, it had to do with scouring, <laughs> soap or perfumery for the bath, cleansing and purifying. And that's what Holy Spirit does. He comes, he's not coming to just make us look good but still be stinky inside. He's coming to do a thorough work, a full purification. And I'm so glad that this is his work. We can't do it. What we can do is yield. We can just let him, let him have at us. Let him wash us. Let us go scouring to me. That's like pressing deep, like scrubbing. Sometimes that's uncomfortable. But he's like, no, we're going to get all of this you're going to be a beautiful bride. And then it struck me, it said that he gave her seven choice maids. And if you've been in this prayer room for more than an hour, <laughs> any time that Amy has prayed, um, you've heard about the seven spirits of God. And I'm reading this, I'm like, wait a minute. Seven choice makes seven spirits of God. Whoa. And so it's the spirit of the Lord that, that anoints and strengthens for, for particular things, uh, for particular assignments. That's the spirit of the Lord. 
the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation or under spiritual understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of divine might, the spirit of the knowledge of God, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And he's given the seven spirits to help groom us for him. That's amazing. In front of the throne were seven torches with burning flames. This is a sevenfold spirit of God. And I just did Isaiah 11 2 there. And there's all kinds of scriptures in any. Name them off for you. Give you your list. There's such a beauty. And there's such a. When we take time to let Holy Spirit minister to us, to give us the seven spirits of God. And it's unlimited. It's not like, like okay, well, you give spirit wisdom, you give me all you can, so. No. There is always more the deeper depths of God. I mean, this spirit knows the depths of God. So, okay. Um, verse 12. Oh, before that. Um, verse 11, it's not in your notes, but said that every day Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she fared. And this is how the father is. He is looking on with such joy, watching over the whole process, so caring over us. You know, just a, like adoring. His heart is delighting in what is being done in our hearts. It brings him a lot of joy. And he wasn't, you know, Mordecai might have been like that. You know, I want to make sure that, that they're doing my girl good. But the father's like, I know. I know Holy Spirit is putting in exactly. And he'll give us his words of love. And sometimes he lets us see his eyes and his pleasure. So verse 12. So when the turn of each young lady came to go into King Ahasuerus, after the end of her 12 months under the regulations for the women, for the days of their beautification were completed as follows. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with spices and cosmetics for women. Okay, so six months with the oil of myrrh and myrrh has to do with the cross. Myrrh has to do with healing. Myrrh has to do with rejuvenation. Has to do with restoration. And so there's that process that happens as we as we're, we come into union with Jesus in his death. We come into union and our, our flesh dies with him on the cross. This is such a good thing. This is such a good thing. That that has to be done before there can be restoration. That has to be done not in totality, because Paul said, I die daily. I mean, the greatest apostle, and he's dying daily, I think we die daily. <laughs> but as that happens, with each little death, 
then, the, then there's other things that he brings in with healing because we were able to die there by his grace. Then he brings healing into that place. He brings fresh life, rejuvenation. He brings restoration. And then that was, so that went on for six months with the myrrh. And then there's six more months with special perfumes and ointments. Wasn't enough to just die. Wasn't enough to just experience his death. But then to be raised up and to take on the very fragrances, the very fragrances of Jesus, the fragrances of the King. Like we, we have to have the fragrances worth in. And we go through things too to bring the fragrance out. You know, it's when a rose petal is crushed that it, you have the most release of fragrance. So when Jesus was crushed, that's when there was the most fragrance. So verse 13 says, so after that, this happened, the six months with myrrh and the six months with spices and cosmetics, then the young lady would go into the king in this way. Anything that she desired was given to her to take with her into the harem for the king's palace. So whatever she wanted. And in the evening she'd go in, and in the morning she'd return and go into the second harem. And she'd never go in again unless the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. So what happened with Esther was she was given her choice of how she wanted to appear before the king. And um, she walked in the place of humility and it says that in verse 15 it says she didn't request anything except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the women, advised. So she was like, I'm not taking in anything of myself. I'm not taking any of my opinions. I'm not taking any of my strengths. I'm not taking anything that's of me. But only what Haggai says. So she walked in this total humility. You know, there were probably a lot of those young ladies who went in to try to impress the king with whatever they had and go in trying to really super impress him. But Esther's like, no. No, I, I just want to take what you, what you want me to take, Haggai. Hey, and so Galatians, said, Galatians 5.25 says, since we're living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Since we're living by the Spirit, and we are, that is the day we were born again. The minute we were born again, the Spirit of God came to take up residence in us. It's broken and is just wherever we were at. He came to take up residence. So in that same way, like he came in to live, and we can follow his spirit's leading in every part of our life. And that's that's progressive. It takes time, but you know he it's what it say, he deals kindly. He deals kindly. 
He's so patient. I'm amazed at the patience of God. There are some days where it just it just rips me up inside when I, re when I remember where he's brought me from and how patient he's been. I'm like, whoa. And even, even sometimes now, the attitude that will fly out of my heart and I realize how patient he is with me. So we follow his, the Spirit's leading in every part. We don't want to hold anything back. So verse 15, um, so she accepted the advice of Haggai, and she only asked for what he suggested. And it says, she was admired by everyone who saw her. Now, this is not the guarantee on being popular. But the ones who have eyes to see will see the beauty of the Lord. And, and when we're out in the world, not everyone wants to receive the beauty of the Lord. But I tell you, if we're walking in humility and kindness and gentleness, these fragrances of our King, it will be beautiful. Some people won't want it. Some people might be offended. Some people wonder what's, what's behind that. But it's beautiful, and most of all, it's beautiful to God. It's beautiful to God. So, um, so she was taken to King Ahasuerus, in verse 17, and says, And the king loved Esther more than all the women, and she found favor and kindness with him more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head. And then, you know, this book is a, is a great, uh, a wonderful story of, of, of God's deliverance for, for Israel and God's providence. It's an astounding book, but we're going to stop there as far as looking at, at Haggai and the characteristics that he had in getting the bride ready. That's what Holy Spirit does. He, he comes and he, he grooms us. He teaches us new ways and he gets us ready. So, so we already have the king's favor. Okay, so the, you know, the allegory only goes so far. We already have his favor. We already have his delight. He already, we're betrothed to him already. But Holy Spirit's place in our life is to get us ready. The bride prepared in, in the book of Revelation. We want to be the bride prepared. And that's what Holy Spirit does. So we want to grow in this gift. So Roman numeral four, the gift of the heavenly bridegroom. So we've been given a precious gift by our heavenly bridegroom. And again, just to recap on that, I just kept hearing it. I've given you a gift. I've given you a gift. In Revelation 19, it says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice. And let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear. She didn't take her own clothes, and she came out with just the best. The finest white linen. Pure. Amazing. So, um, 
I believe he wants us to see in Haggai the goodness and the kindness of Holy Spirit, this one given to us to prepare us for our bridegroom. I believe he wants to motivate us again to intentionally connect with Holy Spirit, this one who comes to teach us of our bridegroom, to teach us of his heart, his ways, his kingdom. He wants us to live with this one, to fully trust this one, to fully surrender the Holy Spirit's care. So, the relationship with Holy Spirit is one that we grow in. And we can just, we don't ever have to stop. We don't ever have to stop. And you know, sometimes we might forget to engage, but he's, he's so precious. He's like, just start again. It's like, here you are. He, he's, I, I don't think he's easily offended because he stays with us. It's amazing to me. Um, so 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, May the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So that implies that there's this interaction that we can have with him. And again, I know it's probably not new to us, but you know, it's so easy to neglect it's so easy to neglect him. But we've been given the fellowship of Holy Spirit. Philippians 2.1, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, any fellowship. So the Holy Spirit is a dynamic person who lives inside our spirit. So he's not way out there somewhere. And when we, when we say, come Holy Spirit, it's not because he's not here. It's just saying, we want to know you. We want to come closer. We want to, we want to feel you. We want to hear you. We want, we want to see you. We want to touch you. It doesn't mean he's not here. It's just how we talk in our Christianese. And saying, come, we, you know, we want to manifest yourself more. Is he not manifesting himself? Really, maybe the prayer is enlighten the eyes of our hearts so we can see what you're doing. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Open our ears. Tenderize us because we want to know you. We want to do what you do. Okay, the same relationship Jesus had with the Father, only doing what he sees the Father doing. Then you have Holy Spirit only doing and saying what he sees the Father and Jesus doing. And it comes to us. And he says, you can live in this same relationship where you do what you see me do and you say what you hear me say. And, and he, he teaches us. I mean, there have been times I was like, Lord, you know, if I only do what I see you do, that I probably won't do very much because I don't see very much. Things like, ask me. Ask me. And involve me in everything you do. Don't block me out. Like, don't have your spiritual life and your secular life. Just have your life. Follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not just when I'm leading worship. Not just when I'm praying for somebody. Not just when I'm having my quiet time. Or if I do that when I'm working or when I'm in school or when I'm out with my friends, 
or when I'm driving, or when I'm doing laundry, or when I, whatever it is. What about having him in those places, wherever we are? Fellowshipping with him. We can stay in a constant conversation. So we must value and cultivate our friendship with the Spirit in an intentional way. Like it won't just happen. I mean, sometimes it does because he's just gracious and he comes and gives us a kiss. Like he comes and like we haven't even been thinking about him and then boom. You know, I I remember when my son was younger, I used to drive on all the field trips, you know, and have a carload of boys and whatever. And I was supposed to... I was supposed to be uh, speaking at a retreat, like it was probably a couple weeks down, and I was like, Lord, I, you know, like I, I felt like I wasn't prepared. And so I'm driving with all these kids, and there's lots of noise and screaming and talking and dolches, as guys do. And you know what? The Holy Spirit came and He dropped on me and the whole teaching for that retreat. He just like, boom. In the midst of all this other stuff going on, I wasn't even thinking about it. And he just came and he opens up this whole thing, frames it for me, and I'm like, wow. So he does come in when we're not intentional. But think how much more how much more of those conversations would take place when we are intentional. When we do give him his place. So we do this. By speaking to him as the God who dwells within us. Again, he's not, we don't have to call him. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't have to go search for him. Where is he? Right here. That close. Already here. So we speak to him as the God who dwells on the inside of us. Another way is by praying much in the Spirit. If you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have a spiritual language, speaking much in tongues helps to, it's an intentional way of connecting with Him. It's like speaking in your own, it's like our love language with Him. And then by walking in continual conversation with Him, we can talk with Him about anything anything. The good and the bad. We can talk to him about anything. And it it involves him in our whole life. Like he is so near. I have him come in in the most practical ways. You know, I do a lot of bookkeeping. Sometimes I forget how to do certain things and I'll just be asking the Holy Spirit, can you remind me how to do this again? I just invite you in. And he's faithful. Sometimes I won't get it like that, but I get it. Um, one time with my daughter, um, in her math class, uh, this was back in the, I think in the DOS days probably, of computer. And there was something about computer code in this math class. And she couldn't get it. And so I go, give me the book. And I read it. And I was like, I have no idea. And let's just leave it. You know, it was causing clash, and she's like, I don't get it. No, I know. Let's just leave it for a while. And so I'm cooking dinner and just talking with the Lord, not about that. And all of a sudden, boom, 
full understanding. Go, come here, come here, come here. Tell her how it is. She gets it. Whoa! And then it's gone. <laughs> I mean, he does stuff like that. That does not mean do not study. But it means involve him. Involve him. I see that with help stuff. Again, with my daughter, disabled. Sometimes I, I'll go, Lord, what is that? Sometimes with myself, Lord, what is that? And then something will come to me, I'll go, oh. And I'll try that. And yeah, whoa. You know, I don't get it every time, but he wants to be involved with us wherever we are. And by continual conversation, we can grow in our relationship. You know, this prayer room, we talk about how it's kind of, it's very much um, uh, vertical, you know, and we can spend hours and hours and hours together without a conversation with each other. So we have to be intentional. If Amy and I had not been intentional, we still wouldn't know each other. <laughs> but we would love each other because we, we, had, we love the same Jesus. But we had to be intentional to grow a relationship. And I grew some very close friends here as I came on staff here. But I came on here knowing nobody. I came from a really close-knit church. I came from a really close-knit worship team to where I didn't know a single person. But you know what? We were intentional. And through the years, we've been intentional. And I have some really good relationships. The close relationships, the safe relationships, it is the same way with him. Except, he lives inside of me. He gets me more than anybody gets me. Isn't that cool? Like, he gets us. I mean, he gets us more. Sometimes I go, why am I reacting that way? And I need him to tell me about me. But there's one thing that he really loves to do and he 